Welcome to the Let's Think About That podcast, where we don't just react. We'll break it down and think about it. We're going to talk news, the law, sports, whatever we're thinking about. We're your hosts, Ed Yeager and Lee Allen. Lee, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Ed, and I hope you are. I am. It has been a uh, busy week, huh? It has. All this end-of-the-year stuff. It's already the 15th of December. Ten more shopping days? Yeah, I think that's right. There you or go. eight days to Festivus. Yeah, those of us yeah. who keep keep things like that in, in the forefront of our memories, our minds. So I, I don't know exactly where to start, but uh, you know, a few days ago we exchanged text about something you had seen, and I thought we could start with that because there has been some speculation that um, that perhaps Hillary Clinton is posturing herself for the future, and and I had seen stories that maybe she wanted to run for president again, even though. Yeah, you had to think that political train was off the ra- off the rails, but maybe not. But you yeah. saw something a little different. Yeah. The, well, the first thing I saw was probably the same thing you did last week when Hillary made this um, had this press opportunity. I don't even know if it was an interview or or what exactly. I think it was where she read her, I guess her planned twenty sixteen victory speech. Oh, actually, that is in a master class that you can sign up for. Uh, are you familiar with the master class? No, not really. It's it's a series online of people who are experts in some field, whether it's script writing or, or photography or something. So mm-hmm. she has a master class now, and I don't even know what she's the expert in. Yeah, that'd be but interesting. A, a, as part of the promotion for that, she read the speech that she had prepared and never given in 2016. Okay, okay. Well, that makes sense. But uh, anyway, and she cried, and um, there was some... Um, speculation by many commentators, both professional and amateur, that um, that was the uh, the first step in her efforts to rehabilitate herself politically so that she could potentially be a candidate in 2024 in the event that Joe Biden, for some reason, did not run. And then uh, yesterday, uh, I saw on um, Jack Posobiec, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, on his Twitter page, he had been on Steve Bannon's war room, and he and he has great sources. Uh, he has he as he calls them receipts uh, from from the internet where people say things and do things, and then he keeps them and brings them out uh, whenever he needs to uh, remind someone of their hypocrisy. But he also has very good sources, with, particularly within the White House, and he said that he was hearing from his people in the White House that there was speculation. Uh, among insiders that Biden was going to resign. Uh, The implication was for health reasons um, and that Kamala wanted to um, appoint a female vice president so that the administration would be all female. And the speculation was that she was uh, thinking or considering potentially Hillary for that role, um, and that I saw that yesterday, and of course that that's what precipitated my text to you, which I found to be interesting. Like you, I I would think that Hillary is tainted goods at best, um, and I, I would think that um, any Republican um, who might be considering a run would be licking his or her chops at the thought of potentially facing Hillary in a general election uh, in November of 2024. So anyway, that, that, I, I found that to be quite interesting. 
Well, you know, one part or one aspect of that that I thought was interesting is that it was a few weeks ago, if you recall, that Chad Pegram with Fox News said that he was hearing from sources on the Hill that he should be studying the uh, confirmation process for a new vice president. That's right. And, and, the, the and you mentioned it on point, here. That's right. And, and the thinking at that point was, well, maybe Biden's trying to get rid of Harris. That's right. Uh, but maybe they're looking at it a different way. Yeah. Or, uh, or maybe yeah. they're each looking at it a different way. Also interesting in this this respect is is how unpopular Harris is in the polls at this point, even more so than than Biden. But also that thought that that someone who has been so driven to be president as Hillary in the past that she would take a a backseat and and be vice president, or that any president would want her waiting in the wings behind him. Um, it, it is hard to see either one uh, from from my perspective, anyway. I, you know, you mentioned that um, part of the problem with Biden picking her was that he would have to keep his at least one eye open at all times and his head on a swivel. Talking uh, about Hillary, if you right? Talking about her. Hillary um, and and employee food tasters and everything else. And and uh, you know, I say that partially tongue in cheek, um, but. Uh, yeah, I don't see her being willing to be vice president. And maybe if she could have been the first female vice president, she might have. But now that she'd be the second, I don't, I don't, I, you know, I can't see that that would have any, any attraction to her unless there's some sort of deal where maybe she would, I mean, Harris would not run for president in 2024. I, but, I, but why would she do that? I mean, yeah, absolutely know, not. It makes no I sense. I can see that happening. Um, so, right, you know, the fact that someone is talking about this story, though, just points to how poor uh, the situation is in the White House at this point, uh, not only from a public polling perspective, but also how many crises are hitting the, the White House team all at once, and they don't seem to be able to respond to them. Right. Did you see the question that was asked yesterday at the Daily Press briefing of Jen Psaki about what, in her opinion, was President Biden's greatest foreign policy achievement over the last 11 months? And she said, I have to get back with you. I need to think through that. I need to talk to the president. You know, I mean, just couldn't couldn't answer the question. And, and I mean, there's a reason she couldn't. There, there is not a foreign policy success. I mean, none. But no, nothing even close to a success. And I don't know that he can point to many domestic successes either. No. Other than the one big uh, COVID relief package back in the spring. What was that? Close to $2 trillion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and arguably that is playing some part in, in the increasing inflation at this point. Yeah. Uh, I think probably the, consensus by all people who aren't um, just bald-faced lying about the inflation would, would agree that it is it is a big part, um, along with the, the Trump package, with, with inflation. You know, you, you print more dollars, by definition, those dollars in existence are going to be worthless. Yeah, I mean, the fact is the federal government has pumped literally trillions of dollars over the last two years. And some of it was very bipartisan in nature. Uh, You know, early on in the pandemic, when people were essentially forced to close their businesses by the government, there was a bipartisan belief that they needed some relief because the government's the one who caused the problem. It was an artificial recession, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, But there is also an effect by pumping all that money into the economy, and we're seeing it now. That's right. And and it's... It's not an immediate effect. I mean, there is some some lag time there, and and, and that's exactly what we're seeing. And and uh, continued d- 
desire to pump more dollars uh, into this economy, both as a means to ameliorate the difficulties of people uh, and also to, in my opinion, to cause the Fed to artificially keep interest rates low, you know, it's there are consequences and there will be consequences and you know kicking the can down the road is bad enough but continuing to double down is even worse and here's the other secondary effect that that you're going to see i believe you mentioned the fed keeping interest rates low well just today the fed has signaled they're open to perhaps three interest rate increases in 2022 right that's that's going to hit people hard. That's going to be difficult, but it's the only way they see they can get inflation under control. That's right, and and of course by saying it in twenty twenty two, what they you know that many uh, in, in finance types and, and economists have been had been hoping that the Fed would raise the rates as early as you know late summer, early fall, um, and uh, there was some hope that they would do it back in in November as well, and it, it didn't happen and. You're right. They're going to have to do it because that, that's how you that's how you stop inflation. And, you know, until it stops, it's it's really bad medicine uh, in the in the sense that it tastes really bad for a lot of people. And we're you know, the stories last week and early this week were, you know, we're likely to have double digit inflation come January. And you're, what you're going to have potentially is the old Jimmy Carter style stagflation where you, you have inflation, which is an increase in prices. But you couple that with a recession, um, and so it's a sort of double whammy. And here's the other part of it, and I haven't seen many people discuss, or I haven't seen anybody discuss this, to be honest. But you know, I have to wonder if there's going to be a bad combination of raising interest rates with the limited labor supply at this point, because one thing that you're seeing is. You know, in my area, you drive down the street, every fast food place, every convenience store, every business has a sign out trying to hire people. Mm-hmm. And they're offering higher and higher uh, dollar amounts per hour. Uh, you're seeing fast food places offering $15, $16 an hour here to start. That's right. And they can't get people to work. Well, if they can't get people to work at $15 or $16 an hour, and that's forcing them to raise uh, prices, which ripples through the economy. What happens when those businesses are suddenly hit with a higher interest rate uh, on uh, you know debts that they have? That's right. That's that a double is, whammy. I mean, you sort that of get, is a double whammy. You're getting hit on both ends. You don't have the cash flow coming in to pay the, the the bills that you have, and then they jack up the interest rate, so your bills increase, and it's 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 really bad. And, and, yeah, and it has an effect on your, you know, that business and its employees and their families. And, you know, it just it just uh, spreads like wildfire. And the money doesn't circulate to any other businesses. So it does spread. Uh, last month, I think inflation was the highest since 1982. And it's even higher at the producer price level this month. So. Right. This was the highest ever. Right. This month's producer price. Incre- I mean, the increase in it was was the highest ever. Yeah, this the one for last month, November, which got reported in right. December, right? Nine point six percent, I think. So, yeah, so not uh, that's just one of many problems the Biden administration is yeah. facing now. And, and and you know the thing about the economic metrics with regard to inflation, those are typically felt by people 
in one of several ways, at least initially and perhaps most profoundly. Gasoline prices, food prices, and utility bills. And gasoline prices are specifically excluded from how the government computes the metrics for inflation. So it's it's not even uh, represented in the in the in the number that that we hear. And if it were, I think the number that we was reported would be even higher. It's sort of a, a government's attempt to hide the ball and and keep folks from from seeing in the news exactly what they're feeling at the pump and in the grocery store. And, you know, we talked about this, I guess it was last week, about how gas prices in particular affect almost the cost of almost everything else. Because uh, it, it plays into the, the supply chain throughout. So mm-hmm. the people who are having inventory brought to their business, uh, employees that are driving there, all of that's affected by the price of gas. The other big story that's that's been coming out of Washington this week has to do with uh, this January 6th commission, which continues trying to deal with, uh, you know, I think it's the Democrats' favorite issue at this point, and they can call it bipartisan because they've got you know, two Republicans on the commission when they refuse to put any of the other Republicans who were nominated for the commission on. But they've had these texts from Mark Meadows, who was formerly the uh, chief of staff for uh, President Trump, and they seem to be making hay from these texts, but they don't really seem to prove what I think they, they argue they're No, and in fact, they, they seem to prove the opposite, and it's it seems to me that anyone who looks at this at, with any amount of objectivity would realize that these text messages that they have, not only do they not prove their case, but they disprove it. And it seems to me that Mark Meadows has, has really played this committee in getting them to uh, find these texts and release them um, and now, you know, seek criminal contempt charge against him for for really doing nothing at all that, that even approaches a crime. And I, I noticed um, Steve Bannon's attorneys, you know, he's also uh, looking at, um, he actually has been charged with criminal contempt uh, for not producing and testifying before this committee. His... He's filed a motion to dismiss, I believe. But he's anyway, he's filed a motion of some sort in the in the United States District Court with jurisdiction and asserts that in order for the subpoena issued by a congressional committee to be valid, it has to be a committee that is appointed pursuant to the rules and the correct procedure. And that's not the terms that are used in the motion, but that's what it means. And his position is that because Pelosi refused to put Republican minority members on this committee as recommended by the Republican leaders and and substituted uh, Cheney and Kinsinger on her own uh, motion, if you will, that this committee is therefore not properly composed under the House rules, and therefore it has no right to do business or to force the subpoenas that it has issued. Now, I don't know much about that area of the law, but there's a, there's a, a I mean, that strikes a chord with me. Uh, you know, if, if, if that's what it takes to be a bona fide 
congressional committee with subpoena powers, then clearly the January 6th committee has a problem. And of course, you know, the whole, I guess at, at the end of the day, January 2023 is coming. And it's coming a lot faster than a lot of people would like. And the shuke is going to get put on the other foot. And I, I, I think that a lot of the Republican leadership is going to be replaced with what what I would call more in the nature of the fire-breathing Republican types. And, and, and I think this has to happen. The gloves need to come off and the Democrats need to be given a taste of their own medicine. And we need to see about Adam Schiff and, and, and folks like that and what they've done and what they texted uh, to various people about January the 6th. And we need to know what Nancy Pelosi uh, knew about January the 6th and what she did. There's some rumblings today that um, perhaps she encouraged by placing some some folks in strategic positions with regard to egging on what went on on January the 6th. So, uh, you know, I think the Democrats, not only do they not have any evidence, um, but they might be sorry they played with fire. Well, let me go back a moment because I think the argument that Bannon's attorneys are making is is a clever one. Uh, one of the problems is that traditionally courts don't like to get involved in political questions with another branch of government. But at the same time, because it's so fundamental in a jurisdictional way, I think they're going to have to. Here. Yeah. And also, even if they rule against him, I think it's an appellate question, which likely strings this thing out to January of 2023. Right. when There's a new Congress That's right. and the whole uh, January 6th commission goes away. Uh, you know, one interesting side note to that is that there were something like seven Republicans that crossed over and voted for the. In the House, seven Republicans in the House that that crossed over and voted to support the referral for contempt on Bannon. I think there were only two that voted that way for Meadows. And that would have been Cheney and Kinsinger? That's the two that are on the the January 6th commission. And, of course, Kinsinger's gone in January 2023 because he's not running for re-election. And Cheney may be gone, too, because she has a... a, uh, primary opposition, uh, despite the best efforts of the Lincoln Project to raise money for. Um, but the the last polling I saw had her um, a good bit behind in the primary. Of course, it's very early, and the Cheney name is pretty powerful in, in Wyoming. But A lot of things could happen. Yeah, yeah. I have to think she's lost a lot of support with this. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if she didn't get kicked out of the conference. Yeah, I mean, I think the Democrats have put all their eggs in the January 6th basket. Uh, they're even planning some type of memorial service for the president coming to Capitol Hill in January. So oh, I hadn't heard that. Yeah, so I think they've just put all their eggs in that basket, and, and it's, it's in danger of collapsing. Wow. To mix a metaphor there. Well, mix, mixing metaphors is always a fun thing to do. That's some of the big stories from Washington. You know, one little story, though, that I wanted to mention, and um, after the— I guess I would say disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan back in the late summer. There was a lot of talk about how many Americans were left behind. And uh, a State Department representative said fewer than a dozen. The president said 100, but less than 200. Well, just this week it came out that so far following that, following the conclusion of the uh, evacuation operation, They have subsequently evacuated 479 American citizens from Afghanistan, 
and 450 LPRs, lawful permanent residents. That's the ones that uh, we know that they uh, have gotten out. We don't know how many are still there, but it shows some credibility problems with all of the original estimates. When they were trying to just put a big bow on this as the greatest uh, airlift or evacuation ever. Yeah, uh, 10 times what the State Department, oh, 10 times what the president said, roughly, and 100 times what the State Department said. And who knows who is left or who right. uh, has been taken prisoner or captive or anything else. And, and they didn't say that this is everybody. So the implication is there are people left. I would hope that they at least have enough um, enough understanding not to make that pledge again. Yeah. That but that was, that was a minor story, but I just I find it interesting that it's, it's certainly fallen out of the news in the mainstream media as to what happened in Afghanistan, but there yeah. are people who are still suffering. Well, you're right, and I think it's a, a, a an excellent point. And I, I saw late this afternoon, and I didn't have a chance to read it, but another story that did not get much, if any, play in the mainstream media. Houthi rebels storm the U.S. Embassy in Yemen take hostages. It's from nationalreview.com. And it goes back to like November, the the second week in November. Um, I haven't heard anything about this story. And uh, uh, nobody nobody knows. Within a month of January 20th, Biden removed the foreign terrorist organization designation placed on the Houthis. I think I'm saying that right. But by the Trump administration. It's not a uh, foreign policy success for the White House. No, Jen Psaki's going to have to Hold her fire on that one, too. The other story that, speaking of stories that haven't been covered much recently by the mainstream media, is uh, what happened in Waukesha, uh, Wisconsin. I understand uh, the First Lady visited this week. Do you have any information about that? As my understanding, I think it was today, Dr. Jill, and she wants everyone to call her, uh, and the first, I'm sorry, the second gentleman, uh, that would be Kamala's husband, for the life of me, I can't ever remember his name. But anyway, Doug Imhoff. That's right, Imhoff. I wanted to call him Mark Emmert, but that's the guy that used to be the head of the NCAA. They went to Waukesha. From what I can tell, the folks uh, there in Waukesha um, are not happy at being ignored by by the White House. And also they are um, upset that once the demographic profile of the alleged perpetrator of those murders uh, became known, the national media sort of moved on to other things um, because it didn't fit their narrative. And uh, folks there are not happy about that either. Um, well, that's definitely true about not fitting their narrative. You know, you'd like to think that um, the president would have been there uh, much quicker. Um, you know, I, I sort of understand um, his reluctance to appear at the tornado um sites because he doesn't want to interfere in his presence. Frankly, any president's presence can interfere with ongoing operations. I get that. And yet and yet he went there today. And he went there today. Um, but there was no such worry over interference in Waukesha. And, and he still hasn't been there, hasn't been to the border either. Um, but the uh, but going to the I mean, they're still looking for people in, in Kentucky and, and some of the other uh, locations. And, and he didn't mind going. And, I, and that's fine, but, you know, 
Let's be consistent. Speaking of consistency, I have to say that I have never criticized any president for not going to one of these events because, quite frankly, I think that for the president of the United States to to show up at various tragedies around the country is probably not really their role. And oftentimes it does distract from what needs to happen. And yet at the same time, it's the picking and choosing. It's the inconsistency, right. which I don't like. Well, you, and, you, and you're exactly right about it's not the president's role. Um, the problem is because of Woodrow Wilson and, and his ilk of progressives and the lack of civics education within our public schools, most Americans don't see that the you know the federalist distinction between the federal government and the state government and whose role is what, and and they assume that it, it is they look to Washington for things uh, for for assistance first. You know that's that's yet another exemplar of the sorry state of civic education in our country. Mm. Well said. So what else you got this week? Well, you know, you'd like to think that it will soon be Christmas week and the bureaucracy typically comes to a little bit of a halt and slows down if it doesn't come to a halt. But I get the feeling, and this may just be me, that the hit parade for the Biden administration is going to continue and and it's going to be something next week that we probably haven't anticipated. I hope not. Um but but I, I just have that that worry. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think I'll I'll be interested to keep my eye on this Ghislaine Maxwell trial. Um, you told me earlier today that the judge uh, had uh, taken a re- recess, I guess, of the of the hearing to well, the government actually rested their case on Friday. Right. And so the defense wasn't scheduled to start. Uh, the defense case until Thursday. Um, we're, we're currently recording on Wednesday. So the question was, you know, why is there this break of three days? And, and apparently the uh, the district court judge presiding over the case has been appointed by uh, uh, Biden to be on the Second Circuit Court of Appeals, and she had a confirmation hearing in Washington to go to. So right. she put the case on hold. So I, I would assume that she'll have to see this trial through. Uh, She has pledged that she would continue even if confirmed. Because if she's not, then it seems to me that there'd be a mistrial. But I also read that uh, Maxwell intends to call up to 35 witnesses of her own, some of whom are from out of the country. There was some sort of deal struck late today, I think, to prevent the disclosure of some of the documentation that was recovered from Jeffrey Epstein's various residences. Um, so I think we'll continue to watch that. And just before we came on the air, when you and I were chatting, uh, you informed me uh, that uh, there was a a bevy, if you will, of uh, Kennedy assassination documents uh, that were released today. Um, and I was pleased to learn that and looking forward to uh, spending some time perusing them. Perhaps uh, feeding the conspiracy theories all over the world. But who knows? Yes, that's right. It was almost 1,500 uh, documents that were declassified and, and made public. They're on a, on a website through the National Archives. So you can uh, dig through those over the next week, and you can uh, solve the Kennedy assassination. Or, or not. Or not. What's on your mind? The, the major stories that are going on uh, seem to be 
overseas right now as to what happens in Ukraine, what this president does about it. Uh, the situation with China and Taiwan isn't getting any better. Uh, and then just moments ago, I heard about these tensions between Armenia and Azerbaijan. Now, quite frankly, uh, at least the, the the first and the last situation I just mentioned, I'm not sure where the American interest is in being too involved in those. We have a, a stronger geopolitical interest in stopping the Chinese from taking Taiwan, I think. But uh, I, I don't know that this president knows how to manage any of those situations. Yeah, I, I agree with you as to that. I think with regard to the Ukraine, I think it is, um, you know, I don't think Americans have any business uh, boots on the ground uh, in that situation. I, I, I fear that there is um, some effort among what I would call the establishment foreign policy types on both sides of the political uh, party divide to to become involved in a way that is not in our interest. And and I think with regard to the Armenians and the Azerbaijanis, um, in my opinion, the the United States is uh, or should be and is aligned with the Azerbaijanis and the Israelis and the Turks. And the uh, Armenians are aligned uh, and definitely aligned with uh, the Russians and the Iranians. And uh, I don't think we have any dog in that fight from a from a putting troops there uh, standpoint. But I think the Israelis and the Armenians, I mean, the Israelis and the Azerbaijanis can handle that for us and the Turks. Um, and I don't think there's any need for us to do that. But I do think it is important that we support uh, those folks because it is a, it is a, uh, a check on Mr. Putin and the Iranians. Um, and, of course, you know, those two getting together is, is, a, is a bad thing for the world. The, the other story that's kind of on my mind is Omicron, and it seems to be spreading, and it just seems like, uh, you know, it's getting a disproportionate amount of media attention from everything that I've been able to read. It seems like there's only one confirmed death as a result of the Omicron variant. Yes, which is the uh, same as a, a result of making a movie with Alec Baldwin. Yeah, exactly. It's killed as many people as Alec Baldwin. So, and Ted um, Kennedy's Oldsmobile. But, you know, I still, my plan was to go get boosterized this week, and I haven't done that yet. But uh, maybe before the next show, I'll be I'll be fully uh, vaccinated until I need a fourth shot. You'll be boosted up. There. At least yep. till Valentine's Day when, when you'll need the fourth one. Maybe you, get, right, to, you, you get to Easter. Who knows? Maybe. Yeah, you got anything else tonight? I don't think so. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Let's Think About That podcast. You can contact us at comments at letsthinkpodcast.com. If you've enjoyed this episode, please click subscribe on your podcast provider and leave us a review.